So that's sort of an important question. What if I believe? See, here's the thing I know about most of us in this room today. Uh, We have plenty of information. The question is, do we believe it? Do you genuinely believe the truth? Do you believe it in such a way that that you live it consistently, that you you find yourself simply just delighting in and pursuing the the glory of God? What what I have found in my own life is that there are times when I struggle. and, And here's what happens. I'm struggling not because I don't know the facts about God. I'm struggling because I'm not believing them. I have seen this in my own life. I've seen that in many of our lives. We, we come in contact with a crisis. Something happens, or worse, in my, my, my humble opinion, worse, nothing happens. Nothing's happening. I don't feel the presence of God. I don't see changes happening. I don't. It's almost as if there, there's a void somehow. And in that moment, it feels very much like what I would call a spiritual swamp. Things are just not going right. You know, baseball players, uh, they go through this. I understand. I wasn't a very good baseball player, so I, I can't speak from experience. But I, I can tell you, I can see it as, as I watch the game, that, that there are times when players go into a slump, when nothing has really changed. Nothing for them physically, nothing in the game has changed. still a simple, simple game. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball, you run it. It's not real complicated. But, but yet here are many times highly trained, competent, capable athletes who seemingly have lost their capacity to to do what it is they're very good at doing. And why? There's something that's not clicking between what they know and what they believe. And what they know and what it is they're doing. And in those moments when they get into a slump, many times they'll, they'll be trained to think through their emotional approach, their mental approach. They'll be told, listen, you got to really, you got to reconsider physically how you're walking into this, how you're dealing with it. you got to focus on your form. Listen, when, when pitchers get up and when batters get up, what they say to themselves is very important. If they get up to bat and they say to themselves, there's no way I can hit this. If a, if a, if a, if a pitcher gets up and he says, like, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to throw a strike. There's no way that this is going to happen. I love watching the Little League World Series, you know it? And I love having the coaches mic'd up. And I love hearing them being positive and telling us, come on, man, you can do it. They're mom and dad. What are they doing? They're, they're trying to impact their emotional approach to this because what they believe about themselves is crucial in what it is they're, they're about to do. And not just how they feel, but what are they thinking about? What are they thinking about? I'm just amazed that these little guys are on such a big stage. I think part of the blessing is they don't have a clue, right? Watching the the, uh, the Bowling Green East game yesterday, and one of the little guys is is uh, he's supposed to be getting up to bat. Instead, he's down there in his tiny shoes, but he's got his bat gloves on, right? It's taking like two minutes. I'm like, and he has no idea how much that ad time costs right now, right? He has no idea how much. You know, there, there are millions of people watching him tie his shoe right now. He's clueless. And, and not only did he do the, the knot, he went ahead and did the double knot too, right? And, and it was just so awesome to watch. Us. I thought, if he was thinking right now, there are millions of people watching me tie my shoes right now, he probably would not have done it quite as well, right? But mentally, he's focusing. Got to get this two, this, these shoes tied because I'm about to crank this ball. And he's thinking mentally, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to approach this? And then there's a physical approach. 
Uh, watching Vandy baseball this year, it's been fun for me to watch pitchers. We got this one pitcher. He's a lefty, and he like bends down. I can't bend down and touch my toes. I'm kind of sore, but typically I can. So don't you know? But he would reach down, and then he gets up and it's for me. And there's one guy. It's just it's gross. I'm just gonna be honest. With you, it's just gross. He licked everything the whole game. I'm surprised he didn't have some kind of bacterial disease because you know. This just goes so he's like, licking, 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 licking my hat, licking it, licking. Now I'm ready. It's just this, this thing, this physical thing that he does, right? There's one guy who drives me crazy every at bat, every at bat. He gets up there. Then he looks at his bat, then he starts dancing, right? Dancing it. He's dancing it. But he did crank a home run against Texas Tech, and we won. But. So I don't make fun of him too much. But there's this, um, there's, a, there's an emotional approach where they're thinking, I can do this. They, there's got to be the right emotion. Then mentally, they can't be focusing on everything. They've got to focus in on their job. And then physically, they've got to they get themselves where they're ready. And then they've got to focus on their form. And it's amazing when, when athletes who are going through a stump, when they do this, it draws them back to the real basics of, of what it's about. This basic that, you know what, I've practiced, I'm ready for this. I know what I'm doing. I can do this. It's time to do this. You know, we as Christians, we will often go through spiritual slumps. It may come about because of a crisis. It may come about because someone has hurt us. It may come about because of a bad decision. It may come about simply because we're going through the motions and we have come to assume on God rather than believe in God. And our faith has become nothing more than a set of to-do lists or just habits that we happen to just roll into and roll out of as though they don't really matter. And when that happens, we miss it. We lose it. And we don't have this, this dynamic life filled with hope that, that is, is having a huge impact as we bring help to other people, which is exactly what God wants us to do. God has a process for this. And, and, and hope is confident in God's process. No matter what you're going through, you've got to be confident in God's process and what He's doing. And if you're in a slump, if you're in that place where, you know what, I'm not excited about this, I'm not digging on this, I'm not, I'm not, it's not real, it's not happening, or you're in a slump because you're hurt or because you're mad or you're frustrated or because you're in sin, listen, you've got to get back to the fundamentals. And what we see in our text today is that. How do we get into that place where we have confident hope in God's process? If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 John chapter 3. This year at Living Hope, this is the year of hope, and to understand, discover what hope is, we're walking verse by verse through 1 John. And so if you're just picking up with us this semester, listen, jump in. This is awesome stuff. We're in 1 John chapter 3, and so today we're going to be in verse 7, and Hayden Crosby is going to read for us. So Hayden, why don't you come up, buddy? Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And although this is a very short verse, and maybe one that you're quite familiar with, I want to tell you this thing's potent. So, so allow this just to, just to settle in. Hey, read this slow for us, and let this really sink in. This is 1 John 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, if he is righteous. This is the Word of God. Thank you, Hayden. I want to take that apart. Go ahead and be seated. I want to take this apart. I want us to walk through this. But as we do, I want to remind you something. And I know you're going to be like, really? I got up this early to hear that? Yes. I want you to hear this. God does not 
change. You're going to change. What you go through is going to change. Your life is going to change. Your circle of friends is going to change. Your, your, your uh, situation at work is going to change. At school, your children are going to change. They're going to leave you and send a bill. I can give testimony. This is what everything... But listen, God does not change. Every day, He's still awesome. Every day, He's all-powerful. Every day, He is sovereign over all things. And every day, He loves you. His love is never-ending. It is an everlasting love. And He never, for one nanosecond, stops loving you. And so, what doesn't change is the fact that our God, the God, is an awesome God. He's an all-powerful, sovereign God. And He is in love with you and with me. And because of that, we can trust Him. We can trust Him in what we're going to go through. And what we got to understand is that God has a process. And we need to have confident hope in that process. So how do we do that? It's the same way, same thing you do when you're getting out of a slump. It's the same thing you do, and you probably need to do this every single day. Let's look at what the text says. Hope is confident in God's process when we have the right emotional approach to our identity. To our identity. So let me ask you, who are you? Who are you? How do you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Jason Pettis. I'm... Right? What, what, what's that fill in the blank for you? What would it be like if every time you met someone, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm a little child of God. Not a big kid, a little kid. I'm a little child of God. Look what it says in verse 7. What does he say that we are? Who does he, he says, little children. God makes us his children. This is a gift. This is what God does. And this identity, it must be received by grace through faith in Christ alone or not at all. God makes us His. Those who repent and believe, we are forever adopted into God's eternal family. We are born orphans. We are born in the streets of sin. We are separated from God because we are dirty and because we commit treason every single day because we, we sin. But God loves us. And, and in His grace, there is redemption and adoption. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, notice what kind of kids we are. <laughs> this. He doesn't say we're big kids, does he? Look at the verse. Say it out loud. What kind of children are we? We are little children. I am so glad God never thinks of me as a big kid. Because see, big kids you might leave at home by themselves. Big kids you might give them the keys to the car and tell them to be careful. Big kids you may, you may give a, a little bit of space. God gives this guy no space. And I praise His name because I need God's presence every moment of every day of my life. I need Him looking on. I need His guiding hand. I need Him to protect me from being goofy and ridiculous and sinful and, 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 and 
other words that kids don't need to hear in church. I mean, those, those I, I prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And I don't need Dad, my Heavenly Father, saying, oh, he'll be okay. He can drive this. He can. No, no, no. We are little children. And our God is like a good mama. Mamas, no matter how big your child gets, they're always your, your little kid, aren't they? My mother reminds me of this, especially when I go into dangerous countries to take the gospel. She'll call and she'll say, well, I don't care what everybody else thinks you are. You're my little one and I love you. You're my little baby. And I don't care what you say. I'm going to worry about you. And I say, yes, ma'am. Do what you got to do. I get it. And I realize I still look, you know, from this part up exactly like I did with the day I was born. I get that. Bald, ugly thing, right? Just coming in the world. So I can see why she just looks at it and says, there's my ugly baby, right? I mean, I get that. You know, God God looks at us, but here's, I, I want you to hear this God doesn't look at us and say, I'm worried about you. God never worries about you. He always loves you, though. See, God is sovereign. Psalm 139.16 says that He knows every one of your days before any one of them came to pass. Isn't that awesome? How does He do that? We don't know. He just does. He knows everything about everything that you're ever going to go through. And He never leaves you or forsakes you. He is your Father. He is your adoptive Father by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And He will never leave you or forsake you. He sees you for what you are. You are His little child. And as long as we know we are in desperate need of the presence and the power of God to guide us and love us and to define us, we can then have confident hope in God's process. If you ever forget for one moment that you are God's child, you will go through crisis or apathy or, 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 or everything in between and you're going to fall apart. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, everything is going to feel like it's in your control. It's going to feel like it's your fault. It's going to feel pressure. It's going to feel hurt. It's going to, it's going to feel wrong. But if you believe who you are, you can have confident hope in God's process. Second thing is this. Hope is confident in God's process when we have the right mental approach to our faith. It's not only important that we have the right emotional approach. We've we got to have the right mental approach. Look what it says here. Little children, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. You know, in talking about children of God, I know that there are some who would say, well, aren't, aren't all people God's children? Aren't, aren't we all God's children? And in, in a sense, yes. We are all made in the image of God. Every human being conceived at conception is in the image of God. We are given eternal being, an eternal identity, a life. And this life is sacred. And so, yes, we are all God's children in a general sense, but God also loves His redeemed people in a particular sense. There is a particular grace, that is a covenant grace that is given to those who believe. When we repent and believe, we are made God's adopted children by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so our relationship is now, we are now bonded with God. 
before we were separated from God because of sin. But now that our sin is forgiven because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, and now that we are alive in Christ because He has been raised from the dead and given us the Spirit, we are now alive to God and we live a different life. We have the presence of God. And so if you're a believer today and you believe that and you know that to be true, Satan cannot have your soul. But the last thing he wants you to do is be confident in your belief. He wants you to doubt. And so to do that, he's got to deceive you. And that's what Satan does. He is a deceiver. It's what he did at the very beginning. You read in Galatians 3.1, and there's verses 4 and 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? Of course, Eve doesn't get her facts right. She's still not getting everything that's going on. So in verse 4 and 5, But the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good good and evil. What's he saying? You can't trust God. You can't trust God. He's trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from being happy. Listen, that law that he gave, that, that moral law he gave, look, you don't have to obey that. Listen, just choose the parts that make you happy, right? And everything else, just chuck it. Because after all, he's just holding you back. Do what you want to do. Don't do what God says. You can't trust God. And what the evil one has done from the very beginning is to seek to deceive us so that we will doubt God and so that we will fall into sin and so that we will fall into a spiritual slump. We've got to overcome that deception. How do you do that? Well, you've got to have the right mental approach to your faith. Three things you've got to have real quick. First of all, you've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have the Bible. You've got to know the Bible. What is the Bible? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. There's a reason why we saturate our services in Scripture. If you're a guest with us, and, and, and hopefully you've thought to yourself, that's a lot of Scripture. Good. Because we saturate our, our times of worship with, with, with Scripture, because this is God's Word, and God's Word is true, and God's Word is what He uses to bring us to repentance, to bring us to, to the sense of reality, and listen, if you don't have the Word of God, you will be deceived. If you do not know the Word of God, you cannot know the will of God, and you will not live in the way of God. And when that happens, you're in a spiritual swamp. Even if you're saved, you're going to miss it. You've got to have the Word of God. Second thing is you've got to have a church family. You've got to have one. College students, listen to me. Those organizations on campus are great. Bible studies with, with similar age students are great. But nothing... Nothing is better for your soul than a multi-generational church family. You need to come into this place every Sunday, and you need to sing 200-year-old songs, you know, 10-year-old songs, and two-week-old songs. You need to be around people of all ages. You need to see small children. You need to see 80- and 90-year-olds. You need to help them through the hallway. You need to hug them. You need to be a part of their life, and you need to let them be a part of yours. We need each other. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to be in one another's lives. 
We need to be able to speak about what is true and what is right and what is good. It's not enough to have your name on the roll, guys. It's not enough. You've got to be engaged. You've got to be taking steps. Here at Living Hope, we talk about a disciple's pathway. We talk about the, the basic components of what, what it is we need to be doing as, as active members. First of all, I've already spoken, we need to worship. But we also need to connect in groups. We need to be in, in one another's lives. We need to be able to talk about the Word of God and how it is impacting our life. Listen, I would love right now to unpack this, these texts and talk about your life and my life and how it's lived out. But you can't do that with, with a few thousand people. You can't do it. You can do it with a dozen, though. And that's what a connect group offers. And we need to serve. Make sure we understand what serving is. It's leading more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. And that may happen on Sunday morning. It may happen throughout the week. As you go to mow your neighbor's yard or help someone with their studies or, or just give care to someone who doesn't feel like anyone does care. All the while you're doing that to, to lead more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. And, and then you've got to get equipped. Look in the bulletin. You'll see a list of the equipping opportunities. If you're not looking in your bulletin. Look in your bulletin and look at the equip opportunities that are here this fall. These are, these are unique trainings that we offer by qualified, gifted teachers within our congregation. And when it comes to leaders and teachers, Living Hope is loaded. We are loaded with amazing leaders and teachers. And so look at that list of courses and ask yourself this question, which one of these would, would be one that would help me the most right now? Or which one of these would help me, you know, going, going ahead? I'm going to be teaching a course on, on how you know your calling. How did you know what you're supposed to be doing with your whole life? I'm going to be doing that later in the fall. We've got a foundations course. We've got theology courses. We've got Bible courses. We, we've got all kinds of equip opportunities. And what these do is they strengthen you in your ability to live the Christian life. And then we multiply. Everything we do is to lead more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. We are multiplying the faith because we've been called to by God. Again, it's something that, that we, we know, we stand on it because of the Word of God, and we have one another to hold our, uh, one another accountable, to love one another and encourage one another. But friends, at the end of the day, look, we've got to do it. It's about serving the cause of Christ. And that's the third thing. If you're not serving the cause of Christ, if you're not actively saying, God, I'm in this, I'm doing this, Listen, you're missing it, and they're gonna, they're, you're just not going to get the impact. Look what it says in James. I mean, it's as clear-cut as it gets. What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have work? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself. If it does not have work, it's dead. Listen, we've got we to gotta serve. We've got, we got to step out of our comfort and we've got to go places we don't want to go and have conversations we wouldn't actually want to have. We've got to be willing to get involved in other people's lives and get in their business with love, not with judgment, but with love. And, and say, how can I love you? How can I show you the love of Christ? How can I show you this faith that I believe? How can I uh, encourage you to be a part of this family where you'll be cared for and comforted and strengthened? Listen, the people who, who grow strongest in their faith are the ones who are exercising it by blessing others. You take any of our teachers. You ask the teacher, who got the most out of the lesson, you or the class? Every time they'll say, I did. You know who gets the most out of my sermons? Me. You talk to our deacons. 
You know, they sign up, they're willing to serve. You ask them, who got the blessing when you entered that and left that hospital room? They also held up there and said, that was me. That prayer that was prayed through me, that opportunity to see God at work in their life, the blessing was mine. You talk to someone who does local, national, international missions, they come back, you ask them, hey, what's your testimony on this? Who got the blessing? I didn't. Stepping out in faith caused my faith to become more real in ways that I never imagined it could. So if you want to have this faith that, that believes and has confidence in, in, the, in, the, in the process of God, listen, it's got to be more than emotion. You've you got to mentally approach it right. And then, and then third, write it down. Hope is confident in God's process when we have the right physical approach to our actions. Again, back to verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Listen, we're by grace through faith. When you're saved, you are given a holy position. But that salvation, that's just the beginning. You who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. And so now God is going to make us righteous. He is going to transform our lives. And that means that we're going to have to do battle with sin. We're going to have to deal with our challenges. And, and let me say this. Everybody's got a different challenge. But let me tell you your dirty little secret real quick. That sin that you think that only you struggle with, that thing that you have done or that you do that you hope no one ever finds out about, I want you to know you're not the only one that struggles with that. And God's grace is sufficient to overcome it. And, and for some of you, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. Some of you who point at other people's sin and say, I can't believe they struggle with that. I can't believe they struggle with same, same ginger attraction. I can't believe they struggle with that kind of a mouth. I can't believe they struggle with that kind of addiction. I don't know why they can't handle their diet. I don't know why they can't get on the internet without absolutely debasing their mind. I don't understand. Listen, understand this. Everybody's got a different challenge. Everybody does. And we gotta, we got to realize that God's grace is sufficient for every challenge. And what He demands that we do is to take what He has given us in truth and grace and apply it and live it out and get ourselves in spiritual shape. Yesterday I was at a race for little kids and it was amazing to watch these kids run because some of them would come in and you could just watch them. They were born to run. And they are in such great physical shape. And then there were kids that came in that would look like me when I was a kid, right? Who run, but just this, this guy right here is not made for speed. I'm made for comfort, right? And so running and all that stuff, running was always for punishment, never for pleasure. And so when I see people run, I just think, man, they must be in a lot of trouble. Just no telling what they did to have to run that much, Right? Different ones of us are going to be able to do different things well, and then different ones of us, we're going to have challenges with different things. But listen, don't excuse your sin. We can't excuse our sin. We can't say, well, look, it's just, it's, this is more difficult for me, so it must be okay with God that, that I just... No. We've got to have the right physical approach to our actions. We've got to understand that sin is serious, and we've got to overcome it by grace. We've got to fight against it every single day of every single moment. And then last, and what will help us to do this is this. Hope is confident in God's process when we have the right spiritual approach to our purpose. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. 
and don't miss that, as He is righteous. Don't miss what this is about. Listen to me, guys. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about our best life now. It's not about being all we can be. It's not about what we do, what we have. It's about Jesus. It's about who He is in us. It's about us being conformed to the pattern of, 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 of who He is as a person. What is our purpose? I think the Shorter Catechism nailed it. Question number one. What is the chief end of man? What is the purpose? What's the answer? The chief end of man. The man's purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And don't get put off by this word and don't miss it. Enjoy Him. See, it's not true glory when, when, when a man says to his wife, well, I guess I love you. Well, I mean, I'll show up if I have time. I mean, I'll give you whatever I have left over. After, you know, everything else is way more important to you, I'll give that financially to you. I'll give that time to you. I'll give you that effort. I, yes, I love you. I told you I loved you when I married you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Is that a marriage? How many of us say that to Jesus? I told you I loved you when I was saved. If anything changes, I'll let you know. I told you once in a praise song that you could have my heart. I said in a prayer, I fell out a card. If anything changes, I'll let you know. I gave you my leftover money. I gave you my leftover time. Glorify God, you have to enjoy glorifying God. You say, Lord, it is my delight to honor you. It is my delight to serve you. It is my honor to be yours. And, and when that is, is your approach to, to God's purpose, you can trust in this process. Here's what I know about some of you today. You don't trust God. You may know all the facts, just like every demon of hell knows the facts of the Bible. But you don't trust God. Your life is not completely in His hands. Maybe you've been pardoned from sin. Maybe you haven't. Because a person who's been pardoned from sin hates the very thing they've been pardoned from. And they despise to pursue it. Maybe you are. And maybe what you need to do today is to say, God, i got to get out of this swamp. i got to get past the junk. I gotta, I gotta get serious about this because this stuff matters. This is, this matters to my life. And today you need to come and ask him to do that. And, and for some of you, I know you don't even know what to ask. For some of you, you know what the best thing you could do today? So when we stand and sing in just a minute, come get on your knees and, and just say this. Just get on your knees and say, help. God, help. If I ever hear my children say, Daddy, help. I will go through a burning building. I will dig a trench. I will die to get to them. And I'm a sinful man. Our God is awesome and powerful, and He loves you. And if you need His help, 
and you don't even know what that even looks like, Just get on your knees and say, God, help. And He will come. And He will do it. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, there's so many of us today. We need Your help. Some need to come right now and get on their knees and say, God, take over my life. Forgive me of my sin. I, I, I need You. I'm going to live for You from now on. Some who need to, to come today and say, God, I've got the facts. I got the information. Help me to believe and live this truth that I say I know. And Lord, there's some today who need to come and say, help. Help my child. Help, help my dad, my mom, help my friend. God, help me. Help. And Lord, as they come and say to ask you for miracles, be gracious to them. Show them your will and your way. And answer them according to your will and your way. We ask this in Jesus' name.